What's up, everyone? Welcome to Compressed FM. In this episode, we are going to talk all about our desk setups, all the equipment that we use so that you can maybe set up some cool stuff yourself. My name is James Quick. I'm a JavaScript developer, speaker, and teacher. Hello, my name is Amy Dutton. I'm a senior UI UX designer and front-end developer. Let's get into it. What development and design, who would have guessed? Well, we can do them both, even at a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compress. Today we are joined by two fabulous sponsors. Zeal is a software consultancy and they are hiring. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. More from both of these later in the show. So James, what have you been up to? Well, I've talked about this a lot. My wife and I have been playing a ton of golf. We went this morning and I swear this is the hottest day ever recorded in Tennessee history. The humidity was super high. I think the feels like on the course was like 106 or 108 or something. Like halfway through, we bought four bottles of water, a Gatorade, a sandwich, a hot dog. It was really ridiculous. We debated whether or not we were going to play the back nine. We ended up finishing, which I think we were proud of. And for what it's worth, everybody, I'm sure you're wondering, just beat me by two strokes. So it was wow. a good competitive game, but we had a lot of fun. Just really, really hot. So we are both pretty exhausted today. What about you? Well, I am recording from the beach, which, yeah, you couldn't get any better than that. So we had good weather today. It was overcast, but that meant that it wasn't too sunny and humid. So we have 17 people in the house. There will be 18. So there's a lot of people here. (laughs) Nice. So if if we hear any audio in the background, those are just friends. Everyone is welcome. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to rub it in to say that you were overcast and not as hot as it was for us today. On the uh, golf course. <laughs> yes. Well, I tell you what's crazy is apparently there was a hurricane that came through last year and it changed the profile of the beach. Like I can't hmm. get over how much the beach has changed since we were here last year and just the power of a storm to mm-hmm. move tons and tons of sand like that. It's crazy. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into it? The first thing I think as developers or in a lot of different industries, designers, for example, you probably need something that you can actually write your code on, do your designs in, and that would be your computer slash desktop or laptop, whatever you decide to use. So Amy, what kind of laptop or desktop, what type of computer are you using? Yeah, I have a MacBook Pro. It's a 16-inch 2018, so it's a little bit older. It's right before they swapped out the Butterfly keyboard. But so far, I've really enjoyed it. I beefed it out when I bought it, so it has a 2-terabyte hard drive and 32 gigs of RAM, so it should last me for quite a while. But it's been a great machine. I am intrigued by the M1 chips, but I don't plan on dropping that cash anytime soon. (laughs) What about you? Although I feel like Apple just, they have their claws into both of us, I think. And eventually we'll get us with new devices. Yes, for sure. And I was kind of looking forward to seeing if they announced the new MacBook Pro with the, I think it's either M2 or M1X. I'm not exactly Mm -hmm. sure what the name of the updated chip would be. But they did not announce that sometime in the next three to four months, I think is the expectations for that to drop. But similar to you, I have a 2018 MacBook as well. You mentioned before they updated the keyboards back to the ones that have like a higher profile. So these are the smaller keys. I feel like I'm pretty used to it in terms of typing, but I have already had the keyboard replaced once, which I don't think we had talked about before. And I can feel some keys sticking every once in a while now as well. So that makes me a little bit nervous. But other than that, this computer has been great. So mine is not fully spec'd out like yours is. I'm a little jealous, but mine is 16 gigs of RAM and 500 gigs of solid state drive. And all of that has been more than I could really want and or need, except for one big situation. Actually, two things. One 
is when I stream, I have overwhelmed my computer. And I've done that specifically when I was trying out some new interactions in stream where I was running three cameras on my computer at one time. And I wanted to let someone in chat send a command to be able to toggle between the cameras. I thought that was a really cool interaction. And while I was doing that, my computer was like, "Mm, we're not going to be able to do that. That's like a little too much right now. So it really slowed down. It got bogged down. So I've had a few scenarios with streaming that have been a little slow. So I've looked into getting either like a dedicated streaming PC or maybe a Mac mini, one of the new ones with an M1 chip. But for right now, the MacBook Pro that I have does 99% of what I want. The other thing that I'll mention is me not having the two terabytes of storage and only having 500 gigs is uh, I'm using external drives a lot as well. So that was kind of my plan from the start. And I think we'll talk about a few options in a minute of what kind of drives we use to store video and audio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by that Air laptop. Like I always want to go smaller, but just from a power standpoint, I can't justify going smaller when you're editing video or dealing with large print files or things like that. There's no way that an Air could handle that. I think what's especially intriguing is some of the tests that they've run recently that say that an M1 Air has gotten the same performance as my MacBook Pro, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to see what the new stats on the laptops are. But for anybody that is in the market for a new laptop, I always go to Mac Rumors and check to see what the rumors are, whether they're predicting that Apple is going to release another laptop or not. And that has served me well. It'll tell you how long the life cycle of the current iteration is and what the typical iteration is and what the rumors are predicting and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are highly invested in rumors around a Mac and they do lots of research. And yeah, it's kind of fun to read some of those either before or after things get announced to kind of see what the guess is and then what actually gets released. Have you ever waited outside an Apple store? I have not. No, I've never. I have not either. Yeah, I've never been like day one kind of person with Apple products. Mm -hmm. I've never had the need, I think, from day one. But maybe one day we'll see with one of Mm -hmm. these uh, newer chips. Maybe that'll be enticing enough. And as much time as we spend on our computers, one of the things I'm curious about for you is what kind of mouse you use. Yeah. So typically when I'm at my desk, I keep my laptop in clamshell mode. So that just means that the lid is shut. I'm using my external monitor as the main monitor. So I have an external keyboard and mouse that I use at my desk. The mouse I use is the Apple trackpad. And I just have the first iteration of that. It takes actual AA batteries. It's not the one that you plug in with USB. I think I'll eventually upgrade that, but it works and it's great. And I don't foresee a need other than just having everything streamlined. The keyboard that I use is the Magic Keyboard, and that's the second iteration. So that has the USB-C power into it. But I know a lot of people love mechanical keyboards. I'm super intrigued by that. I will watch all the YouTube videos about different key colors and the different sounds. It just fascinates me. But I love having the low profile quiet keys. I know some people hate the feel of it, but for recording, it's great. And I've just gotten used to it that anytime I'm on a mechanical keyboard, it feels like I'm having to push extra hard or lift my fingers extra high to get to the other keys. I've just gotten used to the Apple low profile stuff. So it's actually what I prefer. Yeah. So I actually do not use clamshell mode. And what this means is we'll talk about monitors in a second, but I have monitors plugged into my computer and I leave my laptop open so that it serves as a third screen for me. So I leave that open. I actually use the keyboard on the Mac. I know that would freak a lot of people out and it's probably 
not the absolute best thing, but it works perfectly fine for me. I'm comfortable enough with the keyboard that I use that all the time. So I use the keyboard that's on the Mac. And then I also have, it's a Logitech M570 wireless trackball mouse. So this is a little weird for people that have never seen this, but it is a mouse where you kind of rest your hand on it. The ball on the left-hand side of the mouse rotates. So you use it as your cursor and the mouse itself doesn't move. So my hand stays in one position and I use my thumb to move the cursor around. And then I have a wheel on here that I can scroll with. So I never have to actually move the mouse physically. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned the trackpad as well, because that is one of those things that I use on the keyboard or on the actual laptop. And one of my favorite things to do is have full screen apps in Mac and then swipe left and right between them using three fingers on the Mac. It helps me really keep things clean. I'll usually put as many things in full screen as I can and swipe between them, or I'll do command tab to switch between applications as well. So I leave the laptop open. I use the keys on the keyboard. I use the trackpad on the keyboard, and then I have the separate ergonomic mouse from Logitech. And I think you have, do you also have a mouse that you use with your setup in addition to the trackpad? That's right. Yeah, I do, but I don't use it a ton. So I have a magic mouse that I travel with and I do like how thin it is. It fits great in my carry case, but I have a Logitech MX three mouse. And I do love the fact that it has all these programmable buttons. So there's several buttons you can access through your thumb and on top with your, say your middle finger or something like that. I've been experimenting with Blender. And so anytime you want to do 3D work, you really need a three button mouse. A trackpad isn't going to cut it. So that's why I ended up buying that mouse. I really do like it, but from a design perspective, I really want to be able to have those gestures. So pinching and zooming in and out of the canvas, or even when I'm editing video, pinching and zooming in and out on the timeline. I can't live without that. And it feels super (laughs) clunky if I don't have it. So anytime I thought, oh, I'll switch to the mouse. It's been great just to have something different, but I always end up coming back to the trackpad. Yeah, I think we've both probably been through several iterations of a lot of the stuff that we'll talk about. Even you mentioned keyboards and mechanical keyboards. I've actually given a few of them a shot. Mostly they were too loud for me, especially with recording. And the keys on on my MacBook, for example, are are so quiet that it works out really well. Well, all the stuff that we'll talk about today has gone through many iterations. And I will probably say this many times throughout the rest of this episode. It's still not perfect, right? There's still a lot of things that I wish I could tweak and kind of change around. One of them is my desk. And I don't mean my desk in terms of what my actual desk is. I mean my desk setup in terms of where it's oriented. But that said, I do absolutely love my desk. So when I started with Zero back in January of 2020, just before COVID hit, we have budgets to support people working from home to build out an office. So with part of that money, I bought a new standing desk. It's a Jarvis adjustable standing desk from Fully. And I don't have the exact specs on here, but you can look up like it's basically the biggest one that you can get. I think don't quote me on this, though. I think it's 72 inches wide and then it may be three. It's probably maybe it's 36 inches deep. I'm not exactly sure, but it was the biggest option I can find. And one of the things that I did in the upgrade with it is I embedded power into it in the front left and back. So this allows me to plug in. I mean, we've got a ton of stuff on our desk, but I can plug in USBs or anything into the regular outlet. And I've got that on both left and right for me to plug things in. But having this really big desk for me, the amount of time that I spend here, the amount of time that I keep on the desk in terms of equipment is just really, really essential. So I've really loved that. And then the last thing about it is the fact that it's adjustable. I sound like an old person when I say this, but if I stand too long, my feet and my knees hurt. If I sit too long, my back hurts. So I adjust it and go up and down, sit, stand probably 20 to 30 times a day, which seems ridiculous, but I think it works out well for me. 
What kind of desk are you using? Yeah, I have an autonomous Smart Desk Pro. I think they've actually changed the name since I bought mine, but it's the largest one that they offer. So I think it's the 52 inches wide and 26.2 inches deep. And it's the largest option that they have. And like you, I'm going up and down all day. So I love having that flexibility to be able to sit or stand, but I also have an ergo stool so I can kind of be in between sitting or standing. And that just gives me a little bit of extra flexibility. And the nice thing about that stool is it has a rounded base. So you can lean with it. You're not just stuck in one position. So I really like being able to have that mobility. But if I'm sitting, I also have another autonomous product. I think we might actually have the same chair, but it's the Ergo Chair Pro. And that has done pretty well. I had an Ikea $50 chair before then, and it might have been a little bit more comfortable, but the Ergo Chair is probably more ergodynamic. What about you? Yeah, I think I've got the same thing. I, I think when I bought mine, it was the Ergo Chair 2. And now it looks like it may have been rebranded to the Ergo Chair Pro. But yeah, I had one that I got off Amazon for 100 bucks. It was actually a gift. And it worked fairly well, but it wasn't quite the level of chair that I have now in terms of ergonomics. So I have definitely really enjoyed that. Again, the amount of time, especially if you're working from home, that you spend sitting at your desk or sitting in your chair, it's really important, I think, to get something that's going to work really well for you. I wanted to throw in a couple of things with the desk as well. So just going back to like that overall setup with as much stuff as we keep on our desk, which we've still got much more to cover. There's tons of wires. Like if you look at my desk, there's wires and cords and things everywhere. So I have spent hours and hours at different stages in the last couple of years of kind of reorganizing this. And two of the things that I do is I have cable ties or cable organizer kind of strap things and I will wrap cables together. I'll mount them underneath the desk. And then I also have a little wire tray, like a little wire basket type thing underneath the desk as well. So I try to keep these things as neat as possible. It's really an overwhelming thing to try to maintain, to be honest. Probably every three or four months, I'll re-go through all the wires, try to reorganize them and get them set up in a way that's as clean and minimal as possible. Yeah, three of the best things that I found are those round rubber cable holders. And so I have a couple of those on the back of my desk to be able to hold those cables so that if I unplug something, it doesn't fall back behind the desk and I'm trying to awkwardly get it up. Another thing is white gaff tape. I have all these cables taped under my desk. And the nice thing about that gaff tape is it's super strong, but you can take it off and it doesn't leave that goop behind. And so that makes it really easy if you're trying to rewire things. And then I also use those Velcro, they're not zip ties, but it's like a Velcro wrap. And so that's great too. If you're constantly trying to rework your cables, you don't have to say cut the zip ties or refigure the wire cutters. It just works out well with the Velcro. I think it's almost kind of ridiculous how much time and energy and cable ties and resources and stuff goes into trying to maintain a neat desk, especially as you scale out with a bunch of different stuff on it. I think back to what my desk was 10 years ago when I had more wired things on my desk. Like right now, my keyboard and my mouse are wireless. You know, 10 years ago, there were even more wires coming out of it. Yeah, even with having more wireless things, there's still probably a million wires in my desk. (laughs) One of the things that I use to help clean that up as well that actually is super practical is my dock. So I use, and I think we use the same thing, Mm -hmm. the CalDigit TI3 USB hub. And this thing is fairly expensive. I think it's like 300 bucks, but for me, it is 100% worth it because what I can do is... I can plug every single thing, every single peripheral I have into it. And then it has one cable that goes from it to my MacBook. And every time I think about this, it's kind of mind blowing. 
Anyway, the newer MacBooks have USB-C ports or whatever the specific name that Apple gives it. And from my dock, it has one port that comes into my MacBook and inside the dock, I have two monitors plugged in. I have a USB hub. I have my mic, my camera and my webcam, and I've got my stream deck, other equipment again that we'll talk about. Probably got 10 different things that are all plugged into this one dock and then one cord that comes into my computer. So talking about keeping my desk clean, that allows me to keep everything behind the scenes and then just have that one cord coming out to my laptop. Yeah, I have the exact same setup. I think the only difference is I have a USB hub also plugged into mine so that I can have more USB cables into it. But I'm like you, I'm amazed that that USB-C cable that's running in between the dock and my laptop will power everything coming Mm -hmm. into and out of my computer because it also charges it at the same time. But I'm with you, probably one of my favorite things on my desk and the fact that I just have that one cable. Absolutely. It's kind of mind boggling that it's able to do all that. It really is. Like I just can't comprehend how it's able to do that many things. One question I actually have for you, you mentioned the USB hub. I've got a little tiny, really super cheap one before. Like I think I've got the USB piece for my mouse plugged in. But do you have a USB 3 hub or is it a USB 2? It's probably a 2 because I bought it years ago and it's very cheap. I haven't had a need to upgrade it. Occasionally, if I'm trying to find something on a hard drive, I like being able to plug in multiple hard drives at a time to try and Mm -hmm. find what I'm looking for, but I don't use it regularly. It's just kind of there as a quick and easy access point. Yep. Basically, same for me. So I keep my mouse uh, USB piece plugged into it, and then I will also... If I'm giving a virtual conference talk, I have my clicker. The clicker is USB as well. So you plug in a little piece into USB, then you have your clicker to move slides and stuff. But yeah, it works out so nice just to have that one cord coming to the MacBook. So you said you're running two monitors out of your hub. I actually just have one. Be curious to hear the specifics on your monitors. Yeah, I have two. I'm pretty sure they're 27-inch LG monitors. And I love having dual monitors. It's very easy, I think, for me to keep things separated from each other, to keep it clean where things are. So especially like if I'm streaming. So one monitor will be things that other people can see. One monitor will be where I can do notes or do research or do behind the scenes stuff if I need to. So I have those two 27-inch LG monitors. I actually do have, as of the last four months or so, I have a monitor arm that those sit on. So in theory, I can move these around and they're kind of flexible and I can position them any way I want. For the most part, though, they just stay in place. I don't ever have a need to move them. I actually would prefer not to because I've got them aligned just right that I don't want to risk that. But they are on a monitor that helped me get them off of the desk more so I could have a little bit more space underneath them. And I think so you use just one monitor that is super, super big. So what is that and how is that experience for you? It is a Samsung 49-inch ultra-wide monitor, and I absolutely love it. When I bought it, I didn't intend on going that wide, but when I got ready to hit the buy button, the lower size had already sold out, and so I just thought, go big or go home, <laughs> and I'm definitely going bigger. But when I bought it, I went to Best Buy because I wanted it right then. They actually had to put the back seat down. It was so big. And I just thought the whole time, this is too big. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I got home. My husband was like, just set it up. And of course, I set it up. And I was like, I love it. (laughs) It was love at first sight. So I love having the bigger size. The ultra wide, the fact that it's curved makes it so that you don't feel like stuff is like out of your peripheral vision. It's not too wide because it kind of curves around a little bit. And then I also have an arm and that's also a new addition for me as well. And with the particular monitor that I have, the footprint, so the base holding up that monitor was just huge. It took up most of my desk. I mentioned I have the larger desk. 
But with that stand, it even ate up half of that real estate that I had. So with the arm, it gave me all that back and then it allowed me to raise the monitor up even higher. I'm tall, so I like being able to bring it up even further. And similar to your story, Zeal also has a office budget. So they paid for the arm and they paid for my desk as well. So very grateful that they help cover costs like that. Yeah, the costs of desk setups add up pretty quickly. So it's it's definitely really nice yes. to have uh, companies help with working from home with a build your own office budget. While we're talking about Zeal and office budgets, let me talk a little bit more about Zeal since they're one of our sponsors. As I mentioned, I work for Zeal. They are a software consultancy, and we build most of our applications in Rails and or React. I've worked with them for five and a half years, either as a contractor or now as full-time, and I can honestly say that they are the best company that I've ever worked for. And good news for you, they are hiring. So meaning you could work with me. So if you are a designer or developer looking for a new job, be sure to check out their website and the job listing. I'll include a link in the show notes, but special thanks to Zeal for sponsoring. And for people that are trying to add stuff onto their setup, I also want to point out that neither James nor I did this overnight. They're all little pieces that we've added over time. And that's generally how that goes. You don't have to start out with the dream setup. You eventually build up to that point and slowly add gear and items on. And they also change too as technology changes and evolves. Yep, absolutely. It's 100% been an iterative process. Iteration is king, I always say, which is my attempt at a (laughs) cheesy joke because that's the t-shirt that Amy is wearing for those of you out there who obviously cannot see us but are listening to us. Yes, I'll include a picture (laughs) of it. I'm a little proud of this shirt just because I designed it. So that'll be fun for everybody to see. It is an awesome shirt. So you should definitely share that. Oh, thank you. Thank you talking about trying to find opportunities to clear real estate on your desk. I also have a 12 South Arc. This is a little expensive for what it is just because it's a piece of curved metal, but it allows you to put your laptop in it if it's in clamshell mode and it will be vertical. So the nice thing about it is air can move around it a little bit more so it doesn't get quite as hot. But it also, instead of having my laptop flat on my desk, it gives me just a little bit more space. So I'm a huge fan of 12 South products. Like I said, they are expensive, but they are very durable and very well built. So I also have the 12 South high rise stand and that's where I put my iPhone on my desk. So it's charging throughout the day and I can see that instead of having it just lie flat on my desk. Nice. I love that. I've actually got a little... I don't even know what it's called, a little shelf type thing with a couple of drawers in it from Ikea on top of my desk. So one of the things that helped with raising my monitors with the monitor arm is now I've got space to have this little shelf thing underneath and then put a couple of pieces of equipment on top of that. I don't even know what the model or anything is, but if you go to Ikea, it's about four or five inches high and has two drawers on the outside then just a hole in the middle to kind of put whatever you want. That's really nice. So we both spend a lot of time writing code, doing designs, that sort of stuff. But we also spend a lot of time recording podcasts, YouTube videos, courses, that sort of stuff. So I guess we can get into the recording equipment that we use. Amy, what kind of camera do you use? Yeah, I have a Nikon Z6. And I know that the Nikon is probably not the most popular brand. Most people I feel like that are shooting video are using Canon or Sony. But my dad did a lot of photography as I was growing up and he had Nikons. And so whenever I played with his cameras, I was playing with a Nikon. So when I got ready to buy my own camera, that's the brand that I went for just because I was already familiar with their menus. And 
like I said, it might not be the most popular, but I do love it, and it's what I'm familiar with. So the Nikon Z6 was their first mirrorless camera, and the nice thing about it is they've recently updated the firmware. So originally, I bought a capture card to be able to send that signal directly into my computer, but at the time, the Elgato capture card, which I feel like is what most people use, was sold out. This was at the beginning of the pandemic, so I got a knockoff. And it seemed to work, but with the firmware update, you can plug a USB-C cord directly into the camera and then plug it directly into your computer, and it works great. That's awesome. Yeah, I know actually hooking the camera up to be used as a webcam is a non-trivial thing, I can say, from my experience. I've done lots of research. I've watched lots of YouTube videos, and I still have one piece I think that I haven't figured out. But uh, all that said, I use a mirrorless camera as well. It's from Canon. It's the Canon M50. And I know very little about cameras or I knew very little about cameras. And like I said, I watched tons of YouTube videos about cameras and how to make YouTube videos and settled on the Canon M50 as a reasonably cheap, but still very effective and lightweight camera. So I use that. I use a specific lens, a Sigma lens that is a 1.6 is the f-stop and it's a 16 millimeter lens, which means it has a fixed focal length. And also gives me the ability to have a pretty good bokeh effect. And what that means is I can keep myself really clear in the shot and then have a little bit of a blurred background. And that was one of the specific upgrades that I was really looking for because I think it just makes the video look so clean when you're able to stand out a little bit from the background. So I also use a capture card. I use the Elgato CamLink. I think there is a way now with the Canon software to plug directly into the computer, but I haven't found that. Or maybe I just haven't played around with it enough, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. So I'm still going through the capture card for that to get it into my computer to use as a webcam or when I'm recording uh, YouTube videos and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't mention the lens. I am just using the kit lens. When I bought the camera, I bought the filmmakers kit. So it comes with a bunch of different pieces. So part of that, it has an autonomous ninja, which is basically a monitor. It doesn't have a spin out screen. And so that allows me to see myself while I'm shooting, which is really nice. And it also came with a Rode microphone and a few other pieces. But I'm just using the kit lens. So that was a 24 to 70 millimeter. And I'm not sure off the top of my head what the f-stop is on that. But Again, for anybody that's not super familiar with photography terms, I can kind of give you the cliff notes. The f-stop has to do with your aperture, and that's how much light you're letting into the camera. So as James mentioned, that will give you the blurry background in the back, which is really nice and makes you as the subject look a little bit sharper, more of the focal point. The millimeter, so I mentioned I have a 24 to 70, and then James had a 16. That's the length of the lens. So that will help you control how far away or close your camera needs to be in order for you to be in the frame or further away in the frame. So when you're shooting on your desk, if you have your camera mounted on your desk, for James, that 16 millimeter will allow him to sit pretty close to the camera while he's shooting. Whereas with mine, with the 24 millimeter, I have to get a little bit of distance, not a ton, but a little bit of distance so I'm not crazy in your <laughs> face. <laughs> Maybe that's how video should be. Just a little shock and oh, awe, just right zoomed in <laughs> on the face. <laughs> sometimes it could be a good thing. Sometimes it could be a really bad thing. Yeah, that is fair. The idea of photography and lenses and stuff, again, like six months ago, I knew absolutely none of this stuff. And I'm learning some of the basics and I feel like I've come a long way. Like there's tons of rabbit holes and all the desk setup things that we do. And that's, I think, been one of the fun ones for me. 
I love the photography stuff. I'm also just a huge gearhead. But again, for anybody that's looking in, I'll include a link in the show notes. Think Media has a channel on YouTube and Sean Cannell runs that. And he's great about equipment guides and gear reviews and things like that. And so anytime I'm trying to find a new product or recently I was looking at microphones and things like that, his reviews are fantastic. And he has, it seems like a review about just about anything and everything. So again, I'll include a link in the show notes, but check him out if you're in the market for some new products. 100%. I've watched a ton of their videos and their stuff is always super great. You mentioned microphones and something that you were kind of looking into. What kind of microphone are you working with now? Yeah, I have a Rode Podcaster mic. I'm a huge fan of just the Rode brand in general, but it is a USB mic, which means I have a USB cord running out of the microphone directly into my computer. And I bought this microphone probably five or six years ago. And so that's the one nice thing about microphones is it's not like a computer. They have a little bit longer shelf life. But the reason I bought it was because I wanted to be able to plug it directly into the computer. So it's not necessarily the best microphone. But at the time, there was a podcaster that I listened to, and this was the one that he was using I'm just trying to cut down on additional equipment. So I know, James, you have a nicer <laughs> setup than I do. And it's probably the one area that I'm really looking forward to upgrading eventually. But I would love to hear more about yours. Yeah, well, I'll take you down <laughs> this rabbit hole with audio of how it progressed for my audio setup. So I wrote articles for a, a blog called Scotch.io, founded by Chris Sev on Twitter and in a lot of places one of my good friends. And that year that I wrote a bunch of articles, he decided to do Christmas gifts for a lot of the authors and ended up getting me the mic that I have, which is a Shure SM7B. This is a super, super popular mic. Honestly, if you watch TV shows and in the TV show, they do a podcast or something, or if you actually watch the live recording of a podcast, often you'll see people using the Shure SM7B. And it is what's considered an XLR mic. And that means that I can't just plug it directly into my computer because it doesn't have USB. I need to plug it into something that then translates the signal to USB to then get it to the computer itself. So by getting a gift with this mic, which is about $400, I then had to purchase an interface, which is about $200. The interface takes in the XLR input, it converts it to USB and sends it off to the computer. But additionally, with this specific mic, it is a very quiet mic. And so to get really any audio out of it, I have to have a preamp to kind of boost the signal. So that means by getting this mic as a gift, I then had to buy a preamp, which costs about $150. So I go from the mic to the preamp to the interface and then USB into my computer. It seems like a lot. And honestly, it kind of is, especially when you're new to this sort of stuff. But the sound that I get out of this is really, really great. And with the preamp, I have the ability to kind of configure a few things. The gain is one, but also things like de-essing. So as I say, S's, S's, it should kind of soften those so they're not as in your face. And then also it has some background noise reduction where I can set a threshold and it says like, if I hear anything that doesn't get this high, if it's like quieter, it can strip it out completely, which means for my video specifically, I do no audio editing at all. It comes in and that's the audio that I get, which is pretty nice. And then lastly, I have the Rode swivel arm. So going back to Rode, having amazing products. I've used a couple of cheaper swivel arms before. This one is significantly better. It's a little more expensive at a hundred bucks, I think, but it's hands down the best swivel arm I've used. I mean, I can move my mic around anywhere I want to in any position and it just moves flawlessly. So that has been definitely worth it for me. 
But yeah, it's been kind of a path, a journey to going from me using a USB mic before, just a random one that I had found on Amazon, to migrating to this new mic and then all the new equipment and accessories that go with it. But it sounds great. That's for sure. So when we're doing recording, we talked about camera, we talked about microphone. One of the things that becomes more important the more you do, I think, is just lighting, making sure that you have good lights on yourself. And part of that is you can take advantage of natural light. So if you record near a window, you can get a lot of good natural light on you and you may not need some dedicated lights. Amy, I think you may have a combination of both of those. You have pretty good natural light and then you also have some supplementary lights. That's right. I have a fantastic window in my office. So as long as I'm shooting in the daylight, it's been great. And a lot of times if I'm lazy, that's the light that I use and it does look natural. I also have two Elgato key lights. And the reason I went with those particular lights, I think they're about $150 a piece, is that it's a flat LED panel. And then I have an app on my computer that allows me to change the color and how strong that brightness is. And it's a flat panel. So it's on a stand connected to my desk. And because my desk is against the wall, I needed that to be as thin as possible. And so that's the nice thing about that Elgato key light is it doesn't have that depth that, say, a large softbox would. I do have a cheapo lighting kit that I bought through Amazon. It was like $100. And it's been great if I ever want to, say, turn around and have my computer as my background and face, well, in my case, a bookshelf. But then I'll set up those soft boxes and get good lighting that way. But a huge part, if you're looking into lighting, is being able to kind of dilute the light with those soft boxes so you don't get these harsh shadows on your face. And I think you have an Elgato too, right? I have two Elgato key lights. Again, they're pretty expensive, but you may have picked up people that are listening. Elgato mentioned twice. So the Elgato cam link was the capture card for getting video feeds into our computers from our camera. There's the Elgato key lights, which are the two lights that we have. I'll also mention the Elgato stream deck in a second. But yeah, those two things work really great. I also have a ring light to the side of me that was a $30 one on Amazon and it works great. It was actually one that I picked a few weeks ago in the podcast based on the stand because the stand was so sturdy. I used it for my camera and I used it to kind of carry around a camera. But the ring light itself now is on a little cheapo mount thing, but it works great. So you can find like a $30 one on Amazon just to get some extra light on you as you record. And I also had some umbrella lights before this. So I bought an even cheaper version of umbrella lights. I think they were 50 bucks for a set of two big ones and a small one. So I use those for my videos before I got the setup where I have the key lights and the ring light to the side of me now. So as we're talking about lights, I did want to shed a little bit of light on one of our sponsors, Vercel. They will meet all of your hosting needs. One thing I especially wanted to highlight in this ad read that we haven't talked about before is they are the company behind Next.js, and they just wrapped up their Next.js conf. You can go to their website and watch some of the highlights, but in particular, they also announced Next.js 11, and they made some significant improvements. There's better performance. They've updated the image component to create a smoother visual experience and automatic size detection and built-in support for blur-up placeholders. It's enabled for Webpack 5, and they also announced Next.js Live, where you can code in the browser with your team in real time, which sounds pretty amazing. Then, of course, for any Next.js app, Vercel is the perfect place to host it because they're behind their framework. But even if you're not on Next.js, it's a great hosting solution. I'll include links to Next.js, their 11 announcement, and Vercel within these show notes. Be sure to check it out. Special thanks to Vercel for being a Compress.fm sponsor. 
So the last thing I think in the recording space that becomes pretty important for both of us, Amy, you mentioned that you have a two terabyte drive in your laptop. I only have 500 gigs. So I am using a couple of different hard drives to kind of move video content. And I've picked this before, but I have a SanDisk two terabyte ruggedized drive, which I can't emphasize how tiny this thing is. It's super tiny. It's ruggedized, which means I can throw it in my backpack. I can carry it wherever I want and I don't really have to worry about it. And then also I can edit video right from it. So anytime I record stuff, I really just record right to it and then edit from it. And then if I want to archive it, I can move it to another drive that's a little bit bigger, but also a little bit slower. So I don't have to do that process very often. So I definitely have to move video content around a little bit more, I imagine, than you do. But I think you've got a pretty sweet setup as well for your storage. That's right. So I do love the fact that with the two terabyte drive in my computer, I can basically work locally and I'm only moving files after I'm done. So I like being able to have all that storage on my computer and I've never maxed it out. I'm actually at one and a half terabytes, which is crazy that I only have about half a terabyte free, but you know, but I have a drawer full of passport size hard drives. So I have a lot of Seagate and Western digital hard drives. And then I also have a NAS drive and it's a Synology drive. I'll include a link to the actual product within the show notes, but I have really enjoyed that. So I back up all my files to that Synology. And then I also have a media server running off of that. So one of my COVID projects is I digitized all of our DVDs and have those stored on our NAS drive. And then there's an app called Plex that you can run on your TV or your iPad or your iPhone or Android or whatever. And you basically have created your own Netflix. So it's nice being able to have all those because, you know, (laughs) first world country, it's so hard to go to DVD player and put that DVD in the drive. But we've really enjoyed that. So for anybody that's looking at NAS drives, it takes actually a different type of hard drive. So the NAS drive is basically this encasing, and then mine in particular has five different bays. You can stick a hard drive in there, and it's a different type of hard drive than just these passports that you might plug directly into your computer. But you can drop this hard drive into the bay, and I only have two of my bays filled, and I think that each drive is 8 terabytes. So you might think, oh, that's awesome, 16 terabytes. But actually, I have this RAID setup. So what that means is that if one of those drives were to fail, you could essentially rebuild that with the other drive. So it's kind of like this backup system. People will tell you that the perfect backup system would actually be to have one more drive that's mirroring the entire setup, but... For now, that's what I have set up. And that's been great. I have not maxed that out. So anytime I'm done with a video or a podcast, I will send that over to the NAS drive. NAS stands for Network Attached Storage. So technically, anybody in our network can access that. So I'm sure that would be beneficial too. Say you were sharing files with your significant other or your children. Mm -hmm. But I don't share files with my children. (laughs) No files for you. How far away is your NAS from your computer? Like, Is your NAS plugged in directly to your computer? It is right there. But it is not plugged directly into my computer. So when we bought our house, we bought it recently and it's new construction. So it's not a smart house, but the way that they wired it was actually pretty cool. And they have Ethernet cables running to specific rooms. And the router is in the coat closet and there's like a cord closet or whatever that it plugs directly into that. And then the wire feeds directly into the room, which is really nice because you can have multiple rooms. That are essentially plugged directly into your router. So I have that NAS drive plugged in to that Ethernet. So it's plugged directly into our router. So it's super fast. And you can plug it directly into your computer, say if you're moving very large files and you want to move it faster. 
but I've never had any major issues. I can move about a gig a minute. Cool. That's awesome. That is probably one of the big things I will need to upgrade at some point, like just kind of bouncing around between different drives. Works okay, but it's not ideal. So that'll definitely be one of my bigger upgrades at some point. It is nice having, say, one video folder and all of my videos are in there and not having to plug in multiple drives to figure out where that is. I think eventually I would like to consolidate all those passport drives onto the NAS drive. But again, just moving files, it's kind of easier to leave the system as it is right now. Yep, I definitely agree. Maybe the last section here with desk setup is just some extra peripherals that we have. I've got a few that I use. I have my iPad. I'll have that often with me uh, with a football game or something on while I'm working next to me. I also have a remarkable tablet. And no, that is not a description. It's not an adjective. It is the name of the tablet. And it is, I mean, probably the best in the business for like writing on a tablet. And it's been really cool for taking notes. For headphones, I'm not a super fancy person. I use just the Apple headphones, like the corded ones, most of the time, 95% of the time. And then recently, I got a pair of wireless Bose headphones in an interesting random turn of events where Wix, the company, was reaching out to influencers and said, hey, can we send something to you? And I said, sure. And they sent these headphones with almost no context as to why, except for this really weird video talking about them and WordPress. And I really have no idea why they did this and what the campaign was. But I have a pair of wireless Bose headphones that I use occasionally because they sent my way. And I guess why not use them if they're free? The last couple of things I have, I have a stream deck from Elgato. This gives you a little control panel with buttons on it to do different things. So during my live streams, I can control my lights. I can switch scenes. I can do sound effects and things like that. So that is actually really cool. I haven't taken a huge advantage of that. I feel like there's more I could do, but I just do a few things for now. And then I also have uh, a Ben IQ monitor light. So it's a light that sits on top of my monitor and gives some extra light to it. So especially if it's darker outside or if it's just darker in the room, then I can make sure that I can see really well on the light. And then lastly, for me, I have a footrest slash calf stretcher and I can rest my feet on it while I'm sitting or I can stand on it while I'm standing and stretch my calves. And I think it just gives me kind of a different position to stand in and kind of mix things up a little bit as I go from sitting to standing. Any extras on your end? I think we might have a few of those that are in common that you use at your desk. Yeah, there's a lot that's in common. I think the differences are I am using AirPods Pro, and I love these. I think they might actually even be my favorite Apple product. They're super comfy, and I love the fact that they're wireless. The only downside is sometimes I do have trouble switching between my laptop, my iPad, and my iPhone. But for the most part, they've been great. For my computer speakers, I have just some cheapo $20 speakers that I bought at Target like embarrassingly 20 years ago. They're fine. There's a little bit of a short in it, but most of the time I have my AirPods in during the day. And so it's fine that the speakers are what they are. I also have a Wacom tablet that I can use with a pen. I don't have it plugged in all the time, just if I'm doing some illustration work or some digital art, something like that. But I also have a program called AstroPad Studio that allows you to turn your iPad into basically like a screen that you can use with your Apple Pencil. So that's been great just for drawing either with Photoshop or whatever graphics program you're using on your computer. And then I have an Anker wireless charger. So my AirPods actually sit on that. So it's great having a place on my desk where they live. But because that's a wireless charger, it means that I never have any issues where they're not charged. 
And then the last piece is an ember mug. And this was actually a gift from Zeal One Christmas. But this has like a coaster that you can plug in to an outlet via USB. And then it'll keep my coffee warm all day, which is really nice as well. It's one of those things that I'm not sure I would have bought for myself, but I absolutely love it as a gift. I'm known for being really cheap. So like some of the gifts that I appreciate most are ones that's like, yeah, I probably would not have bought it for myself. But now that I have it, this is really great. And I'm glad that someone else was able to do that for me. Yeah. My husband says those are the best gifts, like Mm -hmm. something that you would want or like, but you're unwilling to buy it for yourself. Absolutely. And there's lots of those things. (laughs) As we wrap up, we've got two sections that we like to do. The first of which is our grab bag section, where we take questions from friends and strangers alike. And we're going to do a twist in this one. We didn't have any questions come in from people we don't know, and we're going to mix it up and have Amy ask me a question about my desk setup. Yeah. So what is the one thing that you would change next? Yeah. There's a couple of things that I mentioned or alluded to just briefly throughout the episode. One is at some point, I probably need to get a more powerful machine, like a significantly more powerful machine for streaming so that I can do all the things that I want to and not really be bound by performance. Some of the times when I'm streaming, even when I'm not doing too much per se, just things get slow and that's kind of hard to deal with sometimes. So I may upgrade that at some point. Additionally, you mentioning the NAS drives, that's something I've looked at for a couple of years. It would be just really, really awesome. The one reason I haven't done it so far is I think the biggest one is not having a great place to attach it to our router. So our router is actually in the living room and we don't have anything coming into the office Ethernet wise to plug into. So that's kind of the downside. But I would love to get that one big centralized storage set up so that I can access it anywhere and not have to worry about these multiple drives. And the last thing, again, going back to like my desk setup is an ever evolving situation I'd like to kind of rearrange my office. I'm thinking about possibly changing my desk to kind of point instead of at the wall that is behind me now, which obviously people can't see, but Amy can. I want to flip it around and have a little bit of a different backdrop and a little different look and feel. So there's always little tweaks, I think, that I'm looking to add. And one of those might be at some point kind of rearranging to get a different background behind me. And then our very last section here is our picks and plugs section. And in this one, we can pick things that we really enjoy that we want to share with you and then plug something of our own or plug for someone else if we want to as well. Amy, do you have picks and plugs for us? Yes. So this week, I'm going to pick James's Discord community, Learn, Build, Teach. And he has a compressed channel where we talk specifically about the podcast, whether that's questions or feedback that people have. And then there's also, in particular, a design channel. So there's tons of other channels as well. But my two favorite channels are the compressed FM channel and the design channel. And that's been fun, too. So if you have any designs, I would be more than happy to review them and give you feedback if that's something that you're interested in. But also happy to share resources related to design that I'm finding. And that's been a really fun community. James has done a lot of really hard work just to build it. And there's some great moderators in there as well that have put in a lot of time to make the community what it is. And then my pick for the week, I mentioned we are traveling, and this is a storage caddy that you would normally think of for arts and crafts. So I'll include a link in the show notes to the exact one that we have, but it has, if you can think about a square, half of it is one large tray, and then there's two quarter trays. And the way that we use it is for fast food on the road. If you go to McDonald's, the cheeseburger goes in the large piece, Your soft drink goes in the other quarter and then your fries go in the other quarter. So with kids, this has been great. Just a game changer in terms of not spilling food and 
getting fries and crumbs and everything all over the car. Awesome. James, what are your picks and plugs? Yeah, for me, I am going to pick a product called readme.so. And this is basically a dashboard or a GUI for building readme files. And it comes with little predefined templates for if you want to add a license to it or if you want to add a how to use section, you can just click that. It'll add it to your readme all in the browser. You can get a preview of it and then you can export your markdown, either the raw markdown itself or the markdown file that you can then upload to your GitHub repository. And a readme file, for those of you who may not know, is kind of an informational file inside of your GitHub repository to tell people how to use it, what sort of license there is, if they decide to use it, all that sort of information. So this was created by Catherine Peterson on Twitter. And I got to connect with her a few weeks ago and have her on stream to talk about this. And she was really fascinating. And it's been a really cool story that she built this for herself, just kind of on a random weekend when she had some time. It got a lot of traction. People really enjoyed it. And it led to her getting job offers. And she has since then accepted an offer with GitHub, which is just such an incredible story of like, you never know where that one side project might take you. So shout out to Catherine. And then make sure to check out readme.so for creating readme files for your GitHub repositories. And then for a plug, I'm going to plug a couple of different videos on my YouTube channel. I recently released the SvelteKit crash course, which I really enjoyed learning more about SvelteKit. I think we'll do our next episode on SvelteKit as well. And then the second video is tips on using async await in JavaScript. So I'm a big fan of using async await in place of like the dot then and dot catch. So check that out for extra tips there in JavaScript world. And I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. And the next one, we are going to talk about SvelteKit and my experience and learning and some of the things I like. So make sure to stick with us and check that one out. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. That's all we got.